Matthew chapter 21. We're going to look at verses 1 through 11. Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11. It's the triumphal entry, and it says this in Matthew 21, 1 through 11. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughters of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Let's pray. Holy Father, Lord, thanks for your word. Thanks for the hope of your word. Lord, thanks we can gather at the beginning of this week. We look forward to next week. God, help us just to see you in a new way. Draw us into your love in a deeper way. I pray that right now you'd remove any distractions in the Holy Spirit. Just speak to our hearts through your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We are starting a new series today called Speaking of Jesus. That we're going to look at for the next uh, four or five weeks. And when the triumphal entry, when Jesus came into Jerusalem, there was a huge stir. Things were all stirred up. And in verse 10, when the crowd that was in Jerusalem came out to see that the crowd that was with Jesus, they were stirred up and they said, who is this? And they said, how, how do you, why do you speak this way about him? And how do you speak about Jesus? Was their question, who is this? And how do you speak about him? And who is he? And why do you speak about Jesus like this? Which is what the whole Bible is about. The Bible is all about Jesus. It's pointing us all the way through to Jesus. That's the focus of the Gospels. That's why the Gospels are not full biographies. They don't tell us everything that there is to tell us about Jesus, but they tell us everything we need to know about Jesus. And it helps us talk and speak of Jesus. The Gospels focus on two things. Who Jesus Christ is, And what did he do? Which are the most important things of all of life. Which is why Peter said in 1 Peter 5 at the end, he said, I exhort and declare this, that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. And as you go back and read 1 Peter, what is ultimately the true grace of God in 1 1 Peter 1.13, it says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
We need to speak of Jesus. The whole Bible speaks of Jesus. The Gospels speak of Jesus. Jesus speaks of Jesus. But it's very important that we speak of Jesus correctly. And how do you speak of Jesus? There's a wrong way to speak of Jesus. And it's been that way for a very long time. Even in Jude, who is Jesus' half-brother, in Jude 1 verse 4 says, For certain people have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. There is a wrong way to speak of Jesus. And this morning I want us to ask and ask you, how do you speak and how will you speak of Jesus? Because how you speak of Jesus says much about what you believe about Jesus. And what you believe about Jesus means everything. There is nothing more important for us to get right than the person of Jesus Christ. If you don't get Jesus right, you get absolutely nothing right. Jesus is everything. He's absolutely everything, the Bible says. He holds everything together. He's the creator. He's the sustainer. He's interested in everything. He's interested in you. He's interested in every aspect of your life. And so how you speak of Jesus and how I speak of Jesus means everything. So how do we speak of Jesus correctly? In Matthew 21, it's the week just before Jesus goes into Jerusalem to start the passion, to start his trail, to suffer and die on the cross for sins. We call it the Passion Week, we call it the Holy Week. It's the most important week for those who follow Jesus Christ. And in that week, it answers how we're supposed to speak of Jesus. Because it's in that week, Jesus shows us who he is fully and how we are to speak of him. In Matthew, in Matthew's gospel, the identity of Jesus is repeatedly being discussed. He's over and over trying to, this is who Jesus is, this is who Jesus is, this is who Jesus is. And the theme of of Matthew's gospel presents Jesus as the king. All through Matthew's Gospels, he's showing that Jesus is the royal one, who is the true David, the true king of Israel. He is the true Messiah. He is the true king. That's how Matthew constantly in his Gospel tries to get us to see who Jesus is. So how does Jesus show us how to speak about him in this account of the triumphant entry? The first thing we can see in the first few verses, what we need to speak of Jesus, is we need to see and say that Jesus is the king who knows. He comes into Jerusalem, and he knew what he was coming into. It says in Matthew chapter 20, verse 18, Jesus said, See, We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and deliver him him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. Nobody else got that. Nobody else understood that, even when he said it. You can't say it much more clear than that. But Jesus knew 
what he was walking into when he left with the crowds into Jerusalem. The disciples didn't get it until afterwards, says in John. They didn't know, but Jesus knew the whole time. And he went there intentionally. I mean, the triumphant entry by Jesus is by design. It's not by accident. A bunch of things fell into place, and all of a sudden, a bunch of people were following Jesus, and now there's this big crowd singing. Jesus knew that was going to take place. He designed it to take place for about four reasons. All through the Gospels, earlier on, Jesus is telling people he does great miracles. He heals them, and he'll say, hey, don't say nothing about me. It's not my time yet. Don't, don't speak of me. But now is his time. So he designed this procession into Jerusalem to go public so that the world will see we need to learn how to speak of this man Jesus. And he also arose it, and he also did it to arise and arouse persecution for him. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders of the day, now they had something. They had a guy who was coming in claiming to be the Messiah. And Jesus designed a triumphant entry so he could go public, but he could also demonstrate, hey, here's a reason why the Pharisees and the Sadducees are going to do what they want to do to me. And he also did it to fulfill prophecy. It says, the prophecy is verse 5 from Zechariah 9.9, that Jesus would come in, and the Messiah would come in on a donkey. And he also did it to make his purposes known. So the people would know who he is. This was all by design. This wasn't by accident. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing when he came into Jerusalem at that time. Because he knows. Everything in the triumphant entry is, is very deliberate. He told them, told his disciples where to go to get the donkey. He told them what to do when they got the donkey. Everything was deliberate. It was by design. And everything was defined. And even if other people didn't pick it up, Jesus told them who he was. He told them what was going to happen. Because he knew who he was, and he knew what was going to happen. I mean, Jesus knows everything. He knows everything about your life. And what we can say and what we can learn about how to speak of Jesus is that Jesus is the king who does know. Nothing's hidden from his sight. So if Jesus is the king that could design this, and he knows everything, and he creates everything to work out just the way he wants it for his purposes, and he knows it all, he's the king that knows so you can trust him. Have you ever watched a master painter? I mean, he paints things, and they'll, they'll start watching, they'll, they'll paint a scene, and there'll be some dark, a lot of darkness. Then they cover that up. And if you're like me, I'm watching some of these guys that paint, and I'll watch a, 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 an art presentation, and they'll do a great scene, and I'm like, that's good. And all of a sudden, he comes around, and he covers that up and does something else. He, he's adding depth to it. And I'm like, why would you do that? I liked what you had going already. Why would you cover that up? Why would you do that? And sometimes that's how you feel about your lives. You think you know what's going on. You want to know what's going on, but you have no idea. And God is working in such a way, and he, something happens, and you think, yes, I like it this way. And all of a sudden, something else happens, and you're like, what? God, do you really know? 
Do you really know what's going on? What we can say from how to speak of Jesus is Jesus does know. And what he's doing in your life and what he's doing in our lives is what he says in Ephesians 2.10. That Jesus is the master handiworker. He's developing a workmanship out of you. He's making you into a masterpiece. And there are moments and seasons that you have no idea why it's this hard or why it's this difficult or why you have to go through it. And you think, I know better than God. And God says, no, you don't. I know better. Trust me. I am the king who knows everything. Trust me. Is that how you speak about Jesus? Is that how you've been speaking about Jesus? Jesus, yeah, I'll trust you. I don't know why this is happening right now, but I will trust you. I'll fully believe that your way is better than my way. Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that Jesus knows? That he designs things? That he's deliberate? Do you really believe that? So when Jesus says, fear not, will you trust him? When Jesus says, don't be anxious, I care about you more than a little sparrow. Do you believe him? Do you trust him? Do you speak about him that way? Or do you want to hold on to your ways or the things that you can gather and the things that you can control and say, God, I, I, I don't really want to speak about Jesus like he knows everything. Because if I really speak about Jesus like he knows everything, then that means I'm going to have to give up control of everything. And Jesus says the way to speak about me is to know that I'm the king who knows and he calls us to trust him. But what kind of king is this that we're supposed to trust? He's a king who cares. Jesus is walking through this crowd and he's riding this donkey and people, all the eyes are on him and he's looking around and all along as he's been going through, he's been picking people up. Just a few days before, he rose, raised Lazarus from the dead, and all kinds of people saw this. They knew that Lazarus had been dead for four days, and now he's alive. And so all these people are like, that guy's awesome. I'm going to hang out with him. And they started following Jesus. So he had this huge crowd of people who said, that's the Messiah. And they were following him based off many of them because of what he did for Lazarus. And even right before he gets to the triumphant entry, it says at the end of chapter 20 that he sees two blind guys on the side of the road. And he has pity on them, and he goes to them, and he heals them, and he gives them their sight. Jesus is the king. This is how we're supposed to speak of him. This is the kind of king we have. Jesus is a king who not only knows everything, but Jesus is the king who cares. He actually cares about people. Because as he's Walking through this crowd, riding through this crowd, sees all these people. He's riding slowly, and I imagine that he, he's on this little donkey. People are screaming, cheering him. People are coming, following him. People are coming from the city out to see him. And there's all kinds of people who are, who are, who are living real lives out to do that. I mean, they had jobs, they had families, they had situations, but they were following him. All kinds of people. And I think Jesus would be looking at people in their eyes. And there was a guy, maybe, who just found out there was devastating news or a family that just came who were expecting bad news at any moment. 
and Jesus would see them. Or there was the disappointed father who's been having all kinds of problems with his kids and he heard about Jesus, so he came out to follow him. And Jesus looked him in the eyes. Or there was a demoralized wife who felt like she just can't keep up anymore. She can't do it, do it anymore. She hears about Jesus and she goes out to follow him. Or there's a guy down on his luck. Didn't know what else to do, but he sees this crowd and he goes out to see Jesus. Or there was a fellow who was drowning in debt and financial pressures. And they didn't know where their next dollar was going to come from. And Jesus is coming through. They see this crowd. They'll go check them out. And Jesus, they're, look, look, make, they're seeing what Jesus is going to do. And there was disease-filled people all along the roads needing help. And they decided to follow Jesus. So there was a young disillusioned dreamer who had desired this great plan for his life. And something happened. He wasn't going to be able to do it anymore. And there's plenty of young people who were just desperate for love trying to find anybody who would really love them. And they see this crowd and they go join them. And there was a businessman who was doing really well and just took some breaks in the afternoon to go see what the commotion was about. There's probably some diaper bag carrying moms who are absolutely exhausted, but they heard about Jesus. And so they packed up their kids and they said, let's go follow the crowd. Let's go see who the Messiah is. There's probably people disappointed by life and devastated widows or widowers or daydreaming teens. If you give me a few more minutes, I can come up with a lot more D words. Do you see yourself anywhere in that story? Does that fit any of you? These people were just like us. People are people everywhere. And Jesus is walking down, looking at all of them. This crowd that makes up humanity, filled with all kinds of stories. And he cares about each one of them. And in just a few short days, he's going to disappoint the majority of them. There's a crowd that says, hey, he raised Lazarus, so he's the Messiah. And then there's going to be a crowd that says, kill him. But all of them at the end are slightly disappointed for a while. And they all leave him because the crowd that believed he was the Messiah, they, they didn't understand what kind of Messiah he was. And those who, they thought he, they could get free from Roman rule. And that this was going to be the one to get them out of it. And then all their dreams, all their hopes would come true. All the promises of God could become true. But they all had the same issue, and it's really the same issue that many of us have. We all have stories. We all make up humanity. We all make up these situations. And the problem with all of them was they were trying to explain Jesus in their own terms. They were trying to speak of Jesus in a way that Jesus didn't speak about himself. They were trying to depend on their own strengths, their own smarts, and their own system to figure this, their way out. And Jesus walked with them, and he talked with them. And he didn't stop telling them who he was, and he even let them sing about him. But he wasn't going to let them define him. He came in and showed them, this is who I am. You need to speak about me this way. I am the king who cares. And they were so close, many of them. 
They were so close. They were singing, he's Hosanna. They, they, they thought he was the Messiah. They, they thought they got it. And they were working the system out. How am I supposed to speak to them? How am I supposed to understand this guy? And, and they were so close. They said so many good things. But in about a week, all of them, many of them are just going to walk away being completely confused and not really sure what to think about this Jesus. And the truth is, we can get so close and still miss it. Jesus doesn't want us to do that. He wants us to speak of him correctly and not miss it. Yesterday, I was over at a big track meet in Mendota. There's 15 schools there. And I was watching the 300-meter girls high jump, or excuse me, hurdles. 300-meter girls hurdles. It was a good race. They started off. They're all pretty close together. This girl has the lead the entire way, just a, a body lead the whole way. She's jumping over the hurdles, jumping over the hurdles. She gets to the last hurdle, which was about 15 feet from the finish line, her foot catches the end of it and smacks right in the ground. And she tries to get up. She can't. She just rolls over and everybody else finishes. She was so right on almost every hurdle. She was that close to the finish line, but she was ultimately at the end so wrong. She got last place. And we can be so right, Jesus says about him. We can, we can think we know who Jesus is. We can say things about Jesus that we think are right. But Jesus says, you've got to listen to how I speak about myself. I'm the king who knows. I'm the king who cares. And what you need was not for me to come in on a mighty war horse to deliver you politically. What you needed for me was to come in on a lowly donkey, being a humble king, because I'm coming to rescue more than just your political problems. Muster your temporal problems. I want to rescue you from your eternal problems, that your sin has separated you from God, and God's intervening for you by sending me, and I'm going to go all the way to the cross for you. I'm going to suffer, and I'm going to die for you. And if you will see me for who I am, the Savior, the one who can rescue you and believe that I am who I say I am and turn your life over to me, I will give you life and life more abundantly. That's how we're supposed to speak of Jesus. Jesus is the king who cares. So as you go into this Easter week, I would just say to you, come to Jesus and call others to Jesus. Speak of Jesus. This is the hope that the world needs. And they might have a view of Jesus. They might think Jesus is something. They may have heard of something about Jesus. But what they need to say is, you know what? Whatever you think about Jesus, that's fine. But let me tell you lovingly who Jesus is. He knows you. He cares for you. He gave his life for you. And he wants you to come. He wants to save you. He wants to rescue you. And as you come, and as you call him, Jesus wants you to know this. He is the king who creates beauty. Jesus is the king who creates beauty. This is an amazing scene, if you take it in. Thousands of people come out to see a man on a donkey. People waving palm branches, putting their cloaks down. The noise is astronomical. And God did it intentionally. Martin Luther said, God's love does not find, but creates that which is pleasing to it. God's love doesn't find, but it creates that which is pleasing to it. That's the greatest news you're going to hear all week. 
Because what that says is that we can't do anything to reach God. We're not beautiful. We're sinners. We're broken. We're messed up. We need help. We can't fix ourselves. We can try really hard, but we're, every single time we're going to get to the last hurdle and fall flat on our face, we won't be able to finish the finish line. But God's love does, he finds us. He, God's love creates that which is pleasing to us. Because Romans 3, 10, 11 says, There is none that is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks God. All have turned aside. Listen, if there's been a moment in your life when you said, Jesus, I'm giving you my life and I love you, and you have this desire for God, or you're sitting here now and you have this desire for God, that didn't come because of you. That came because God loved you so much, he gave you the ability to see who he is. He gave you the ability to create in you this ability to be pleasing to him. And he gave you this desire. And how did he do it? He did it by being humble. Behold, your king is coming to you, humble. He gave up all his rights. Philippians 2 says. And he gave up everything for you. His life for your life. And then he went to the cross, even the death of the cross, to give us hope. And he did it with hope, which is the gospel, which is the good news. You feel like you're failing? You feel like you can't meet God's standards? You can't. So quit trying, is what Jesus says. What he wants you to say is just see me. See who I am. I'm humbly came to you. I gave my life for you. I have great hope for you. Things can be different. I can turn your life around. And if you've believed that for a long time, keep believing that. That's the gospel. That's the good news that we need. That is beautiful. Jesus is the king who creates beauty, and he does it in amazing ways. In absolute chaos, he creates beauty. The Reverend Ibrahim Nazir, he's a native of Syria. He lives in Aleppo, Syria. And if you've watched any of the news in the last few months, Aleppo has been just terrorized. In 2012, his church was blown up by a bunch of gangs. And he says this, but he's still trusting God. He's still believing and speaking of Jesus correctly. He says, when a rocket comes into an apartment and it's not exploded and five or six people in the room were saved, I think it's the hand of God. I think it's, I think it's the hand of God who saves. When our church was exploded and nobody was in the church building, it was God who saved us. He goes, amongst the ongoing violence, there is hope. And despite the risks, Nassar and his family continues to shine the light of Jesus in his homeland through his actions. His church was, was blown up by terrorists and gangs. They purchased a fuel-powered generator. They served their community by handing out food, water, and hygiene items. He's watched people die. He's seen hundreds of people go homeless, 50% of the city has dwindled because of the terrorism and the struggle that they're going through. Yet he resolved that we're going to stay with his family. We're going to stay in Syria and speak of Jesus in the midst of absolute chaos. And he said, sometimes we had no bread to eat, but the grace of God was always there. And he said, and God was with the suffering people. 
God was with the persecuted people. God was with the marginalized people. There was a time when we were so anguished, but every time we had these kinds of problems, we come together, we bow over our needs together, we pray together, and we know that God is with us. Nassar's message is that Jesus Christ will save, never changes, it never wavers, even in the face of adversity. And he said this, in the midst of absolute chaos and persecution, with a young family. He says, I think we have a really important ministry here. We have a really important mission here. We are called to be the salt of the world. Not the whole world, but we'll be our salt. We're called to be light of the world. Not the whole world, but we'll be our light. Therefore, I think it's our mission to stay in this country and to bring positive change into the life of our country. That's someone who's speaking of Jesus, who knows a Jesus who knows everything. He knows a Jesus who cares, and he knows a Jesus who in the midst of chaos and mess can create beauty. That's the Jesus we have. Is that the Jesus that you know? How do you speak of Jesus? How will you speak of Jesus this week? As you walk into this Easter week, don't let it go without spending time saying, Jesus, help me to know you more. Help me to see you more. Help me to speak correctly more of you. Jesus knows, so trust him. Jesus cares, so come to him and call others to him. Jesus creates beauty, so follow him. Walk through the Holy Week, seeking and speaking and seeing how Jesus would have you speak of him. How deep 
Is your grace that you could see my need and choose to take my place? And then for me, these words I'd hear you say, Father, no. As you said it would be. 